Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I am with my co-host, Rod Nithapod Zabriskie. Did you like how I enunciated that this yeah, time, Rod? Like three words this time. Yeah. It was like three words. Uh, that was planned, by the way. Now, um, Rod, I'm excited for today's episode. We had our good friend Yona Weiss on. Yes. And Yona's is a Yona is a cost segregation expert. So we thought it made sense to have Yona on just because this is right up the alley of so many of the people that we work with and invest with. And it's like, like how many clients do you meet with day in and day out that are, you know, literally in the weeds doing this kind of thing just day to day? Absolutely. Yeah. They're investing in real estate, right? Yep. And really regardless of how you invest in real estate, understanding cost segregation is important because for example, let's say you just invest in syndications and someone else would be taking ownership of, of doing the cost segregation you want to at least know enough to ask the question to make sure that they're doing it so that you get the, the depreciation uh, benefit. Yeah, that's a great point. So <laughs> Don't take anything for granted, right? Yep, for sure. Well, and I was surprised at some of the things we talked about. I, I had been under the impression that, that cost segregation was generally only, I shouldn't say only applicable, but just that it needed to be larger properties, yeah. right? So um, I was surprised when he gave the half million dollar number, I would have thought it was higher than that. So that's intriguing in and of itself, especially if you're someone that, you know, maybe you haven't gotten into the multifamily space yet and you're, and, but you still want to be able to take advantage of all the tax benefits that real estate has to offer. And with the recent increases in uh, real estate, not hard to hit that half million dollar number. Yeah. For, it's not hard to hit the million either, right? Like It's almost like that's just the way it is now. Um, okay, Rod, why don't you give us a little background on Yona, and uh, then we'll we'll move into the interview. Awesome. So Yona works with a, a group called Madison Specs, and they are the largest group in the country that that focuses on cost segregation, and and so he's kind of one of their experts and, and works with that. But his his background is interesting. He'll he'll go into this a little bit, but but he was a teacher before making the jump over, and. Uh, and, yeah, and I think he said like 15 years teaching. So yeah. it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like a dabbled in it for a year or two. He like had a career in teaching. Yeah. And I think that'll probably come across here because he, he's great at, at kind of this, the way he organizes his thoughts and, and communicates and, and whatnot. So I think that'll be a benefit. Um, he also has a, a podcast. So Weiss Advice uh, is a podcast yep. you can check out and, and uh, if, if you like kind of what you're hearing here with, with Yona. But uh, anyway, just fascinating uh, interview. Yep, I thought it was good. So without further ado, we will bring in Yona Weiss, a.k.a. the Cost Seg King and an expert in cost segregation. We are very excited to have with us Yona Weiss, a.k.a. the Cost Seg King with us today. Yona, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Doing very well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Okay, so we're super excited to have you on and talk about talk depreciation specifically, right? One of your specialty areas. Um, but before we jump into getting into like the cost segregation stuff and 
how you got your name as the Kosteg King. Um, let's just, just give us a little background. I know you have an interesting story. You didn't start out doing this or teaching and some of those other things, but just tell us a little bit about your backstory and let us get to know Yona a little bit better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of backstory, but I'm not going to bore you with all the gory details. Uh, I was a teacher for many years, probably 15 years and, you know, growing a big family, six kids, uh, I know you guys are used to that, yeah. where you guys come from, uh, yeah. it's, you know, it's something that at a certain time I was like, okay, well, the teaching job wasn't really paying enough and needed to find something else. Got into real estate. I mean, it's still my passion. I still love teaching, obviously, teaching, as a parent, yeah. you're doing the same thing. And mm -hmm. really what I found was transitioning into what I'm doing now, I'm really doing a lot of the same, just maybe a little bit of a different forum, different topics and things like that, different subjects, but it's still a lot of that interaction. Uh, but I found real estate was a, an area that a lot of friends of mine had, you know, had dabbled in and been, some been successful in. And when I was asking around about you know, different new opportunities, and I just kind of put myself out there. I'm the type of person where if an opportunity comes my way, uh, I'll, you know, I'll just take it. I'll jump Go on after it. it. Exactly. And, and so I put myself out there, you know, to just maybe see if there are any opportunities that would come my way. So I just mentioned <laughs> yeah. to, you know, a few people, Hey guys, looking to do something new. What do you have in mind? Any ideas? And, uh, and literally that's, that's where, that's where it happened. I mean, I it ran into a good friend of mine in the parking lot one day. Uh, we're both getting out of our cars and, and it was like, Hey, by the way, uh, what are you up to? He's like, Oh, I just left my job at this mortgage uh, company mm -hmm. I was working for and started working for my uncle who's he has this boutique real estate firm. And maybe you want to join me and just hang out and I'll teach you the ropes, commercial real estate. I was like, <laughs> okay, like, let's do that. So <laughs> let's do it. Did, yeah. Love it was, it. it was kind of just serendipity. And, and that was to me, you know, more of, I mean, I see it more as like, you know, God's hand kind of directing things and saying, okay, this person, this ne event needed to happen and you need to meet this person at that time, but you have to be ready for those things, right? If you're not ready and you, you don't make those, uh, you know, that kind of that, yeah, that opportunity to present itself, then you'll never even be looking for it. Um, so that's kind of how I got involved in real estate in general. It took a couple of years until I, I found this passion with cost irrigation really it mm -hmm. kind of developed because I didn't really know anything about cost segregation until I, I found this company. And again, through another introduction, and they're the biggest national cost segregation company, do a bunch of things in real estate and have a very good name, Madison Commercial Real Estate. And so I, I knew mm, of yeah. them and people that I knew had worked for them. And it was, it was just a great opportunity. And I found that this was a topic that almost nobody knew about. And so I was like, hmm, here's an opportunity to kind of use my teaching skills and background and just tell people and teach people about that, which is essentially what the what the position entailed and, and what I've been doing. That's funny. You know, it sounds like it's like one of those things you tell people to do and you can't think of anything else to do, right? Like like specifically your process for finding new opportunities. And yet you've done it and are like living proof that when you put it out there, it can come back to you, right? Like it did. Anyway, so it's kind of a it's kind of a fun story on that front. Um, so the backstory is really fun. It's interesting because I, I think, uh, people coming and making these, you know, massive transitions is just interesting because so many people would like to do that themselves. So, um, talk to you us know, just before we just tell us a little bit about what your transition was like going from teacher to, you know, taking on this entirely different world. 
Yeah, I mean, really, it, it's it all comes back to networking, which I which I mm-hmm. picked up and I realized at a certain point that's really what it's all about. It's about who you know and and being open to that and just connecting with more people because the opportunity and is not going to happen right now necessarily. But if you make those relationships, you build those relationships, those connections, something will come at a certain point in time out of that. And uh, I'm a big proponent of that. So, I mean, the transition for me was just realizing that that's really what this business is all about. This real estate industry is just about networking more than anything else. It's about who you know, it's about the opportunities and then just finding a way to, to go with it. So I was never really a business person. I was never really into finances in any you know way, shape or form. I, I didn't grow up with uh, that kind of financial education that uh, I think most people don't grow up with, especially growing up in, in, for sure. in the United States. Lacking. Yeah. And um, so for me, it was more about, you know, learning. And as a teacher, that's all you do all day is, is yeah. learn because a good teacher is not someone who just has like a curriculum and they're just teaching that same thing from the textbook over and over and over again. A good teacher, hopefully, and trying to fulfill that is constantly learning and constantly finding new ways to teach the same subject or or new ideas to to kind of give to their students, and so for me that this is just real estate became this new, uh, I guess, subject matter that I wanted to learn everything there was to know about, and so it opened up a lot of gates of of knowledge. I would say more so than I I'd really bargained for because it did teach me a lot about finances, my own personal finances and, and, you know, doing my own investing, uh, et cetera. And I'm, I'm still learning. So it's, it's been a great opportunity. Awesome. And that's fascinating. And I think it's not unlike a lot of the people that listen to us. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot of people who transition out of regular jobs and into real estate investing specifically, or, or other, you know, business ventures or things like that. And so, and now kind of transitioning into our, our topic for today, uh, with, with that kind of as, as a backdrop, uh, even though I think a lot of our listeners are really strong in the real estate side, uh, we don't want to take anything granted. So let's jump into cost segregation. And, and as a beginning point, tell us just what is it to kind of define it for us. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, tax strategy, but it's a really weird name. So it's yeah. cost segregation, right? What is that? It's a depreciation deduction. So let's take a step back and understand what depreciation for all of our real estate investors. Know that anytime you buy a property besides for your personal residence, any investment or business property, you're allowed to take an income tax deduction called depreciation. And even though it sounds like a negative thing, like something's going down in value, (laughs) really it's just a borrowed term. And so you're able to take this deduction based on the principle that things go down in value. Uh, but it's a, something you do over a long period of time. So if you buy a property, you're able to take the purchase price, the entire value, minus a small amount for the land, and essentially take that as a tax write-off, okay? But you have to do it incrementally over a 27 and a half year or, or 39-year period, mm-hmm. depending if it's residential or commercial. Now, that's a long time to wait, obviously. You're not probably going to get to that. And so yeah. what cost segregation does is it breaks down that cost or segregates that cost into individual components. Because in a property, you're not just buying a building, a structure, you're buying all sorts of things inside of it. And the IRS stipulates that 
certain components depreciate on faster lives or faster schedules than the 27 or 39 year schedule. So what we do is basically it's called component depreciation would be a much more logical terminology Mm -hmm. for cost segregation. Uh, And what we're doing is depreciating the individual components. So things like Mm -hmm. carpeting or flooring or cabinets, non-structural items like appliances, furniture, fixtures, window treatments, you know, shelving, countertops, you name it, basically anything that's interior that's non-structural can be depreciated on a five-year schedule. So what we're able to do through an engineering uh, survey of the property is break down the property into its components essentially and say, wow, you have, you know, 30,000 square feet of carpeting. Well, guess what? You can now take the value of that as a tax write-off over a five-year period. So what we're able to do is pull from these potential deductions uh, that you could take over a 39-year period and pull out some of them or front load some of them to the earlier years. So the analysis or the the study then goes in and really tells you where you can take the opportunity to do the the faster advanced depreciation. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly right. I said yeah. appreciation. I meant yeah, appreciation. Yeah, no, it, exactly. It's a it's a very detailed, uh, like I said, like study. It's a survey, if you will, of the property. A lot of detailed calculations in what's in there. Basically, what all those individual components or assets are inside and outside the property, and what the value of them are on an individual basis. Because if you're doing a new construction project, right, you know exactly all the line items, you know how much it costs, right? What you pay the contractor for the pavements in the parking lot and for, you know, the cabinets, et cetera. But when you, so that's very easy to do from a depreciation standpoint or easier. But when you're buying an existing building that maybe the replacement cost is, you know, $100,000, but you're buying the building now for a million dollars, you don't know how much you know, each individual component is worth within that purchase price. Mm, yeah. And you can't just go out and do it for the fun of it, right? You actually have to have the, you actually have to have the study done. That's where, that's where Yona comes in, right? That's right. Yeah. You can't really just come up with the numbers <laughs> yourself. You have to have some sort the IRS of- IRS doesn't like that? <laughs> they tend to, yeah, they tend to like you showing your work. Okay. So what situations, what types of properties uh, does using cost segregation generally make sense? And where does it not make sense? Yeah, for most every uh, investment property over a certain price point. So the important thing to note here, it really can be done for any type of property, whether it's residential, commercial, I mean, you name it, office, industrial, retail, multifamily, single family, golf course, any type of property. Uh, But really the most important factor is is that price point. What's the purchase price? Because your depreciation starts based on your purchase price, the day that you buy the property. So it's not intrinsic. Again, it's a borrowed term. It's not intrinsic to the actual cost of the property. It's it's what did you pay for it? And so anything over, I usually like to give a rule of thumb is anything over a half a million dollar purchase price is usually a no brainer, no matter what type of property, but there are even certain types of properties that even a lower purchase price can make a lot of sense uh, given okay. certain scenarios. So it's, it's pretty common. And and we know we have a clientele, like Rod said, that's pretty active in the real estate space. And a lot of them are using this type of concept, but it, it's kind of like you said on another podcast, I think you said something like you, you get two, you get one of two um, responses to this concept. And that's either I'd use it all. I know what it is and I use it all the time. Or what is that? I've never heard of it. And, and tell me more type of thing. Is that, is that kind of what you're, you still are hearing from people? 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I like to, when I, when I do like a webinar or a live event or something like that, I always like to ask the, the participants or the audience, you know, which number, you know, what level of knowledge do you have of cost segregation? Is it, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, you know, number one, if, if I, I've heard the name, but I don't really understand it or like, yeah, I know what this is. I use it all the time, right? The vast majority are, you know, the first two categories that they've never heard of it, or they've maybe heard the name or come across it, but don't understand it at all. And so it's, it's exactly that. I'm still getting that. It's either you use it. And even a lot of the people that, that use it, they, they still don't understand it. They, they get it. They're like, okay, I get more tax deductions, but how does it actually work? You yeah. know? And, you know, for, to be, to be honest, like you don't really need to know all the in, intricacies <laughs> of how it works. Um, right. you, you can, can trust the, the process, result, but, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you trust the results. The results. Trust the results. Exactly. You got to know that this is something that's legit, and this is something that uh, that can be done. You'd mentioned uh, like a half million dollar kind of starting point. Is the the reason for that just because of the cost involved with it versus the savings or the kind of that sped up tax difference by by getting that depreciation sooner? That, that's exactly right. I mean, any property you're going to have. Uh, a portion or a proportion of that property that you can take as the accelerated depreciation. Okay. So if it's a, let's say if it's a half a million dollar property and you're able to take 20% uh, upfront as a, as a tax write-off, well, that's, that's great. That lowers your taxable income, but what's your net benefit? What's your net yeah. profit is going to be, you know, 20% of 500,000 is $100,000. But what's that net profit going to be? If you're at the 24% tax bracket, that's $24,000 of net savings in your pocket mm-hmm. today. So to pay a few thousand dollars to get this done, which is the general cost, somewhere between, I'd say on average, between three to $6,000 okay. is our general average cost. It's not costing, you know, 20, $30,000 like it used to 20 years ago, uh, but it is still, you know, it it's, it's not nothing, obviously it's not free and it's not something that you can just kind of do in your own. So you do have to weigh that. And so once you get to that point, yes, it's definitely worth it. If you're saving, you know, a 10 X multiple on, on your, you know, how much you're investing into it. I do think that's important. Just the, the mentioning the cost change over time, because I think there's still people out there who, who think and assume that it's going to cost them 50 grand to get the to get it done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, I think that's helpful. And I think it also, you know, provides a little bit of clarity on why it can make sense even on potentially, you know, smaller properties, not, they don't necessarily have to be over the seven figure number. We can still make sense of it in, in smaller situations. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to just kind of talk a little bit about like the primary bent. We've been talking about the tax part of it and really like that's really what drives the benefits around cost segregation. But from your perspective, Yona, if you were kind of to list out what are the key benefits to the to using it, how would you list those out? The you know two or three or four, however many you see as kind of core benefits. Absolutely. I mean, the tax savings is is obviously number one. That's yep. the thing that everyone's looking at, and especially with this law called bonus depreciation that you're able to take front load the entire amount to the first year. Uh, that's that's huge, and that's been been huge for the past several years. There are other, obviously, other things that come to play where people don't even think about this, but it actually helps with uh, with property taxes as well. So if you're able to identify sometimes what the what the value of this personal property, like we're breaking out things on an individual basis, you know, the appliances yeah. and a furniture, and once you're able to do that. Well, that actually may be able to reduce your uh, property tax assessment because you can allocate 
more to the actual building and the structure state, well, and these other things are really personal property and shouldn't be assessed on that same level. So that's something that gets overlooked by a lot of people. Um, yeah. yep. And in fact, even from a, from an underwriting perspective, I mean, just going back to the taxes for a second, I'll get to a couple more points, but people don't think about the, the tax savings from an, an R, ROI perspective, meaning when you're yeah. looking at an investment, oftentimes, especially if it's a past investment, you may have syndicators, you may have groups that are telling you you're going to expect X amount of IRR or your, your yeah. all these different acronyms that are going to tell you what your, what your benefits are going to be. Well, that doesn't take into account the after-tax savings of this and the time value of money. Because when you're able to take more deductions up front, that means you're able to reinvest that. And that reinvestment can actually compound over time. So those are some things that people don't really talk about. Um, another thing is the ability to actually, I mean, again, it goes back to the taxes, but the ability to, to write off the individual assets. So when you're looking at, there's something called partial asset disposition, which is a way to, it's a huge tax saving strategy that most people totally overlook. And the only way to do this strategy is if you get a cost segregation done. Hmm. Because when we're identifying and saying, well, you have, you know, your appliances are worth $10,000 and your carpeting is worth $10,000, whatever that number is. When you go and replace that a few years later, well, if you don't remove that from your depreciation schedule from your tax books, that's still going to be on there. And you're going to be have what's called recapture tax on the sale of that property. And you're going to be hit with that amount, even though you, that was replaced and it was removed. So you're mm -hmm. actually able to write that off. So this is getting a little, little into the woods in the deeper strategies here, but something sure. that gets overlooked and without the conservation, you, you can't do that. Well, and, and really it, it goes back to what you can do because of the tax benefits. In other words, can it create more opportunity to start a business or can it, or for your business, can it create more cash flow? Like all of those things come back at some level. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're tapping into the benefit, the tax benefit that creates more money for us. But then of course we can do whatever it is that we want to do with it. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about depreciation and where and when it can and can't be used. Cause that's always a point of clarity that I think is important for people. Um, and, and instead of me trying to explain it first, I'll just let you hit on it and tell us when can we use this and, and actually, um, write it off against our taxes and when can't we? Yeah, excellent point. The, the the main thing, and this is something a lot of people have misconceptions about us, how you can use depreciation. So rental real estate and real estate income uh, is treated differently than other types of income. And it's on your tax return or your Schedule E, and, and that's treated differently. And it's called passive income, passive even though it may income. not be, may not be mm -hmm. passive per se, sure. but it's still treated that way. So if you own rental properties or you have investments in real estate, commercial real estate or residential, you're going to find that income coming through, maybe through a K-1 form, but essentially to your Schedule E. Depreciation is considered a passive deduction, and that's going to hit your passive income. So the only way, and there are limitations on this, but and there are some exceptions we'll get to in a second, but you're limited to just use that depreciation deduction to offset your rental income. So if you own uh, you know, a few properties and you're making, let's say, $20,000 of net income from your properties, mm -hmm. and you can get $20,000 of depreciation deductions, well, you've offset that and you pay zero taxes on that income. 
That's how depreciation works. But if you were to do a cost segregation and get $100,000 of deductions, but you only had $20,000 of income, well, that extra $80,000 is creates what's called a passive loss. And so you're limited to be able to use that against any other source of income. And that passive loss, again, cannot necessarily be used in the current year, but can still be carried forward and use in future years. Uh, there are certain exceptions to this, like I mentioned, which is really the key to the real estate game is finding out what those exceptions are. Because even though it's great to actually have income from a certain source and have that income be essentially tax-free for all intents and purposes, mm -hmm. that's great. But the real uh, strategy is how to figure out, well, what can I do with those losses? Can I use that? How to figure that, how to use that against other sources of income as well, like a W-2 or, or other uh, source of income. So that's really where the game uh, starts to take off. And I'm happy to touch on some of those exceptions. <laughs> we can, you know. Yeah. No, I, I think we do want to go there. And, and um, but just to be really clear, earlier you'd said that, that it, it can't be used elsewhere. And I just want to make it really clear because it has to, it can only count against that passive income. A passive loss can only go against a passive income with, with these exceptions you're going to talk about in a minute, but, but as a general rule, it can't, it, they can't cross over. In other words, if, if most of my income comes through W2 or 1099 or schedule C, you know, self-employed kind of, you know, right. business type things, then it doesn't cross over. And those loss does not count against those other forms of income. It can only can count against the passive income that came through that the schedule E. Is that that's exactly right? Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. So great, great summary of that. And like I said, the real, uh, you know, the real kicker is when you're able to figure out some of these exceptions to those rules, right? To mm -hmm. that rule, the, what's called well, the passive loss activity rules. Yeah, and and when you build up enough real estate in general, it just becomes more and more valuable, right? So prolific real estate investors. Um, a lot of the people that are listening to this fit in there have many properties and have built up significant passive income in various ways. Mm -hmm. And so it almost becomes in that situation, just a no brainer to utilize it, you know, whenever possible. Hey, you hit on bonus depreciation. I just want to make sure, cause I know that that's kind of a hot topic right now. Um, talk about maybe define just a little more clearly what it is and then what's your understanding of how long it will be available. Uh, what's kind of the schedule that it's on now. So just, just again, so to remind people in case that's something they need to take advantage of sooner than later. Absolutely. So there's something, uh, like we said, the 100% bonus depreciation rule was introduced in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act back in 2017 and is set to phase out in 20, starting in 2023. So this year, 2022, at the time of this recording, mm -hmm. is the last year to use this 100% bonus depreciation, which essentially says, once you've done a cost segregation study and allocated those costs to faster depreciation schedules, a five-year, 15-year schedule, you can take those losses and sometimes gonna be up to 20, 30, 40% of the total value of the property. You can take that lump sum in the first year as opposed to spreading it out over the five or 15 uh, years respectively. So this year is the last year to do that. Afterwards, it's gonna start phasing out uh, 20% each year. So 2023, it's going to go down to 80% and the remaining 20%, you can still spread out the five and 15 year schedules. But uh, again, that's going to keep going down until there's none left. I think I got us off track. I'm just realizing we need to go back <laughs> to the exceptions. So as yeah, an example, like, Wait a second, what we happened? want to talk about uh, the real estate professional designation. So like, let's talk about the exceptions to our, to the rule that Rod so eloquently laid out for us. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So the, the most common one is something that's called the real estate professional status. Uh, 
Okay. And this is something that you may come across on the internet, especially if you're searching real estate and depreciation and stuff, something called reps, R-E-P-S, real estate professional status. And this is something that it's not like some special, uh, you know, status you have to like get a license or, or anything like that for it literally is just what is your occupation on your tax return? And when you write real estate professional, that allows you now to have this special status that allows you to use depreciation or these passive losses to offset any other source of income, which means you no longer have those passive loss limitations. And the great thing about this is that either you or your spouse can qualify for this and then you're able to use this. So it's something that I've seen very, very uh, common recently, especially is where one spouse is a high income earner and, but, and they invest in real estate and they, you know, mm -hmm. maybe own a bunch of properties. So the spouse will basically, if they don't have a job or, or mm -hmm. they do, will retire or resign or whatever to be that real estate professional simply for these tax benefits. Because again, if you can take, especially when you're creating, you know, yeah, getting into amazing. larger properties, it pays for itself being able to use those losses against your W-2 or, or any other source of income. So that's the most common exception. And there are, um, there are rules or, or I guess, qualifications more mm -hmm. accurately to be able to claim that. And so it really means that you need to be full-time in real estate. You have to show that you're materially participating, yeah. you're actually involved in either being a broker or property manager or involved it's in like construction. like 750 hours active or something like that. I, I don't quote Correct. me on that. But. No, it is 750 hours minimum a year. Uh, so okay. it's looked out on a yearly basis and it has to be your full-time occupation, which full means even though, even though, um, you know, on a, on paper and, you know, the letter yeah. of the law might say it's only 50% of your time or more, but every single time where someone has had a, another full-time job and yeah, that doesn't tried work. to claim it, yeah, it has been thrown out in uh, in tax court. So it's something you really need to be full-time in. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but again, if you're an active full-time or if you can have, you know, like you said, you or your partner could be an active full-time real estate investor, it could certainly have a massive impact on um, your ability to just generate, well, generate revenue, generate income, yeah, you know, build huge. assets, all of that stuff. Okay. Um, is there anything about cost segregation, like the key points that we should have hit on and didn't up to this point? Um, you know, I think, I think that's the biggest, the biggest things we did hit on. Obviously there are a couple of things, obviously you can go deep into this yeah, in, in every, sure. every subject whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> the most important thing you want to know is just being aware that this thing exists and knowing that there are companies out there that will actually give you a free estimate. So you can know ahead of time, uh, you know, before you actually make any investment or, or make any sort of commitment to know what is this going to be worth it? Is this something that I can do? And so mm -hmm. that's uh, something really important to know. Okay. You, you know, I just thought of another question. So we're obviously biased and going to send people your direction, but what, what should people be looking for? I, I don't know what the market is like in terms of how many groups are doing this, but are there, are there any things in terms of like red flags that people should be looking for? Anytime you're getting into, you know, creating tax benefits, it seems like people try to push the envelope. But anyway, maybe before we finish up, are there any things, red flags that people should be looking for um, if they're talking to other people who do this? Absolutely. I mean, there are, obviously there are many, many companies out there. Uh, this is something that you want to bring up to your CPA. It's a great question because if your CPA doesn't know what this is, that's a red flag in of itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a great point. 
So that's one thing to be aware of. I mean, our company, we're the biggest national company that does this. We're not an accounting firm. There are several, like the, the large, the biggest accounting firms in the country that will do this in-house. And so if you're using, you know, one of the big four or like, you know, RSM or one of these BDO, mm-hmm. one of these huge companies, they they do it in-house. So that's something to be aware of. But 99% of accountants out there will can't do this in-house. They don't have the engineers. They don't have the capacity to do it. Uh, but you want to make sure that number one, there's audit protection, meaning mm-hmm. that they're the company's doing everything according to the tax code, right? According and to the conservation audit techniques guide. Exactly. Because otherwise, uh, you know, you're putting yourself at risk a little bit. Um, mm. that's obviously the biggest red flag if, if there are any, but yeah, that really, makes sense. yeah, there, otherwise there really isn't because in the end of the day, this is, if they are doing it directly following the audit technique guide, then everything should be clear, but just make sure mm-hmm. that, uh, they're doing it according to that. Yeah. And just like anything else, any other financial decision, right? You want to do, do your due diligence and make sure you're working with people with a track record and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Hey, before wanna... we end, can I can oh, I yeah, throw two ahead, more bro. things out? So these are this is I just like to make things a little bit interesting. So uh, there were two things you mentioned I wanted to circle back on. One thing was uh, you mentioned you can pretty much use cost segregation on on any type of property, right? Um, but the just the curious side of my brain started thinking, oh, what about things that are really mostly structured, like a parking structure, or or uh, even a car wash or something like that, where there's not a lot of of extra things. So have you seen? Cossack works in that kind of environment. Absolutely. So there are certain things. I mean, the, the two examples that you brought up, like a parking structure. So if it is literally just a concrete parking structure, mm-hmm. so then it, it is really just structure. I mean, you may have some land improvements. You may have some certain things like maybe some security equipment or lighting, and those things will be on a faster five-year schedule um, or the land improvements on a 15-year if there's you know concrete parking or fencing, anything yeah. like that. But uh, but the other example, so yeah, there's going to be much much less benefit in a in yeah. a, a property like that. Uh, but a car wash, believe it or not, has a huge amount of equipment and things mm-hmm. like that that are okay. actually able to be depreciated faster. So interesting example. But yeah, it's worth it is definitely worth looking into even for uh, for that. I mean, land obviously does. So you just have like a parcel of land that you bought, uh, you can't do cost segregation. Yeah, I'm not going to work on that. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And then the other one was you had mentioned that it can also be helpful with property taxes. And so I just got curious about the, the magnitude of maybe an example that, we're, that you've seen where, uh, where maybe someone saw a, a relatively significant change in their property tax, property valuation as it relates to property tax that, that kind of helped them out. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I mean, we we don't really do it as a, a full consultancy of any kind, but I've definitely seen people where they're, you know, you're taking, especially in larger commercial properties where you have, uh, you know, a, a new acquisition, you're obviously going to be assessed at a much higher higher rate. But if you can do that cost segregation, I mean, for example, like a shopping shopping mall that we were able, it was like a ten, I think a ten and a half million dollar purchase, mm-hmm. and they were able to take about you know two and a half million dollars of bonus depreciation. So and a lot of that went to the fixtures and the things that are five-year personal property. And because they were able to do that, they were able to just reassess the, the property at you know half a million dollar or two and a half million dollar less yeah, than, than what that purchase price was. Yeah. That sounds pretty significant to me. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Mm, good questions, Rod. I'm, I'm glad you broke yeah. in. Okay. Yona, it has been really fun to have you on. Um, before we go, where do people go to learn more about you, um, learn about your stuff and get in, get in contact with you? 
I mean, the best place to find me is actually on LinkedIn. I'm extremely active on that platform and uh, happy to connect. Definitely make sure that you've uh, let me know you found me on the Money Insights podcast and uh, connect with me there. Otherwise, awesome. you can go to yonawice.com. So just my name, and that will bring you to uh, our company, Madison Specs or Conservation and everything else that I'm up to. Awesome. Okay. LinkedIn, yonawice.com. You can email Rod or I and we'll get you in contact with them. Yona, thanks so much for being on, my friend. It's been really fun and uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.